and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations Podcast, episode 64, The Oregon Trail and Lithuanian Mysticism. How have you been? It's been a minute since I've had a public episode out that's new. I've, I've released a couple of Patreons as publics because I've, I've been sick. I technically still have pneumonia right now, but I'm on antibiotics for it, and you can't get it through sound. And I don't, do I sound that bad? I think I'm all right. I wheeze in the morning like a cat, but it's going away. So, I mean, I thought it was going about a week ago, and then it, uh, yeah, it just got worse. I, I don't know if I didn't drink water someday or something, but it got worse. So it's been a minute. I hope you're doing all right. I missed the New Year's thing. Hope you had a nice New Year. I think I remembered to say Merry Christmas to you guys on here, but if not, I hope your Christmas went well. But anyway, 2021, we're here. How's it going, huh? <laughs> Either way, you're about to get some Oregon Trail facts. Now, we, I, I knew I wanted to do the Oregon Trail for the first episode of the year because I am a Christmas ham, and I was like, Oregon Trail, new adventure, 2021, new adventure, let's figure it out. And also, I, I don't think they do this anymore, but I'm uh, look, I'm 34. When I was in middle school, we had computer lab, and it was all desktops. The way this room was set up, there's like 26 graders together, and then there's, there's lines of desktop computers, big monitors. Like, you couldn't see. It was impossible for the computer aide to watch everybody. And so you would all go down for an hour, and you would play the Oregon Trail, which is an old computer game. Hopefully you know about it. I, I, I didn't play it for this, but I looked it up. And it's, I, dude, that was some of the most fun. I hope they still do computer lab. Because doing this, I was thinking about it, and the, the, the monitors were so big, and there was only one computer aid. And back then, like, computers were still kind of new. So even the computer aid didn't know what she was doing. So it was 26th graders playing the Oregon Trail, which was a very fun video game. Uh, maybe I had low expectations. That, I mean, I looked at the graphics for this, and they are terrible. But I remember that was an adventure when you were with your friends, because... There was only four rows in the computer lab that I remember. And so it was like you and your friends would sit in a row. So I sat in a row with my friends next to me. And then behind us in the, in the row close would be like the squad of like girls that we talked to. And then the other half of the class that hung out together would be over there, right? But you're just in there for an hour and you're playing the Oregon Trail. And if you've never played the video game, it was so, again, the computer aids, there's no way to get graded on this. It was just, if you went in as a sixth grader and you just, just don't ask any questions or break anything and you get a B plus. Nobody asked you to do anything. You just had to sit down and play Oregon Trail next to your friends. So much fun. And if you've never played the game, when you start a game of Oregon Trail, as I recall, you get to name your party members. So automatically, what do you, who are you naming them? You're naming them your squad who's sitting next to you. So for me, it was like Chris, Bob, Matt, Jeff, like my actual friends who are right next to me. And then you set off. And the way the video game goes, you pick your pace. You got to buy a bunch of stuff before you go. You hit a bunch of landmarks. You got to get across rivers. People die. Somebody's going to get hit by a snake. And after somebody gets fucked up on the trail, they'll be like, Bob got hit by a rattlesnake. And then They'll be like, Bob's doing terribly. And then it'll give you the option of like, you want to slow your pace or rest for a day or two? And it meant all my friends were the same way. We're like, if one of us got hit, you just speed up. You're just like, yeah, dude, double time. What are you talking about? We got to get, we got to get the, it, oh, come on, man. We're going to, we can't, come on, wrap it up. Get it going. What'd you get hit by two snakes? One snake, dude, where'd it hit you? In the teeth? It bit you in the gums? <laughs> Triple speed, because you were trying to kill your friends. How fun is that for a 6th grade dude? For 6th grade anybody. You automatically get a B plus. The game, you get the name, all your friends, and then they're going to get shot. You're going to get attacked. Somebody's going to drown, because you gotta, you got to get your wagons across the river. I was thinking about all, how much fun was that. Also, the, the computer monitors were so big, and there was only one computer aid. You could not get caught throwing stuff in that class unless you stood up and Nolan Ryan did, dude. Unless you leaned way back and pitched it, you could chuck crumpled up paper over the monitors onto the other half of the computer lab with the other two rows. You don't even talk to them, dude. It's your squad and then the girls you're like too scared to talk to, but you kind of talk to. That's, the, that's your half, and you're just bombing the other side. 
while Bob got shot by a musket, you tripled the pace up. It, the, I hope they still have Computer Lab. I don't know if they still have it. Because it was, I don't even know what year it was. I was, how old are you in sixth grade? I'm 34 now. It was like before the year 2000. There's people probably listening to this who weren't born. I did faculty meetings on the internet, or on, on the internet, on Patreon, uh, where it was just kind of like a hangout, uh, where I just hung out. There's like 23-year-olds in there, a 23-year-old dude. I was like, damn, dude, how the fuck? I'm 10 years older than you. So I don't know if people have never had computer lab before. What, but I don't even think we had an internet connection back when I had it. So it was just desktops that act as barriers so you can bomb the other side if you want. And then if the other side starts bombing you back, you got a war. You got a war going. If that computer aid catches both sides throwing stuff at the same time, nobody's in trouble. She just wants a truce, dude. Then you throw like a hard pen one more time, dude. Maybe you hit it against the back wall so it ricochets down onto their like girl row. It's all, it's all fair game. Dude, computer lab in sixth grade. You name it after your friends, your friends. I, also, I remember doing this where I remember I had a crush on the one girl in computer lab or whatever. So like, and I, I, there's no way I was the only guy to do this. But you would sneakily put her name in your Oregon Trail party as well. So like my, my party would be like, Chris, Bob, Jeff, Matt, Regina. And then I would click through that screen as fast as possible. I would type her name in last and then click through to start the game as fast as possible. Because I don't need my friends on either side of me looking at what I'm naming my party. And then what? They're going to lean over. because I remember that. You know, it's a small computer lab. So if my friend leans over and sees it, like, he's going to be like, why do you have... Who is Regina in your party, Chris? That's, gonna, that's a nightmare, dude. You put her name in last and you click start and you leave. And then... That's another, like, if she gets hurt on the trail, let me tell you how many weeks we're about to rest if Regina breaks her leg. Okay, she can't walk on that thing. It was just, dude, the whole thing was just so fun. And I don't know anything about the actual Oregon Trail. You hear how much I love these memories? I didn't know about the, I knew Lewis and Clark from this, but the actual Oregon Trail, no idea. I don't know. People going, they were all going over there. I could lie about it, but I don't know. I figured I'd do an episode about it. It can't be that bad. And so the way that this episode is going to break down, uh, we're doing, we're going to do, we got to cover how it happened, like what, because there's a period of time between Lewis and Clark and the actual Oregon Trail that we got to talk about because that sets the table for the Oregon Trail. Then we're going to go over the basics of just, just in case you got to take a quick quiz and actual information on the Oregon Trail. We're going to do that. Then we're going to hit the general store, take a look at a couple of firearms, see what you want to bring with you. Then we're going to take a look at odds of death, closest I can approximate it, and odds of success. And then at the end of this, I I broke the Oregon Trail down into 12 different sections and then assigned a Zodiac sign to each one of those and uh, made a a Zodiac wheel for 2021 based upon the difficulty of that section of Oregon Trail. That's the Lithuanian mysticism to this. Look, that is, I, again, I have, that is a fever idea. You ever have an idea like that? And then you, and you get so, I got, I got far enough on it that when I woke up and saw like a, a, a Zodiac wheel drawn and a covered wagon in the middle, I was like, all right, well, we're going with this. So I, that's at the end. If you want to, I'll explain that when we get to it. All right. But either way, that's where we'll actually cover the trail itself. If you want to listen to that and or hear your 2021 fortune based upon your portion of the Oregon Trail according to your Zodiac sign. <laughs> so, let's get it going. Oh, one more thing before we get it going. We do have class pets for oil presentations in 2021. Uh, Patreon, in the end of December, uh, we adopted a pair of koalas in a koala sanctuary in Australia. We got two of them. Uh, we got a boy named Boz. He got burned up in the fires last year. He's having a hard time. His goal this year is to put on some weight. So we adopted him. And then we also adopted a lady koala named Rose. Now, Rose has kidney problems. Also, the place on the website said that she's developmentally disabled. So, and these are like the first, like, out of the first five I clicked on, these are the two. So I was like, all right, give me the guy who's in the fires. And then, like, why are you saying this about her on the internet? I don't know how they're testing koalas, but like, yeah, she's with us, okay? Why don't you stop? So we got a pair of koalas. The way that works, 
We got certificates for them. I got to send an email to see what we're allowed to send them. They're not going to they're not going to be mailing koalas to New Jersey. That's it. That, I mean, that's not we just got a certificate of like, hey, you got some koalas. I think they'll send his pictures every month or so. I want to investigate what's allowed to happen here. What are we allowed to send them? Also, I thought about this, and it broke my heart a little bit. This, there's no way we're the only people who adopted Boz and Rose, okay? I don't really like to think about this, but I think it's more of like an OnlyFans situation where there was like 20 koalas to pick from, and I went with Boz and Rose, but I think they have other suitors. I don't know. But either way, Oral Presentations Podcast is trying to be that number one John for Boz and Rose, okay? So I'm going to see if we can send them jerseys, <laughs> see what they need. Either way, so we got class pets. All right, let's get to the Oregon Trail. Here we go. First up, we got to talk about why did this even happen? All right, men's hats fuel human innovation, or as beavers call it, the great catastrophe. We got to hit on the Western fur trade real quick. Now, Lewis and Clark Expedition, 1806. That was mapping the first, the first path clear across America to the Pacific Ocean. That was in 1806. Now, the Oregon Trail American migration doesn't kick off until 1840. Why? Because the Lewis and Clark route was so difficult. Shout out old Tony for doing your best. But you can't be bringing a bunch of kids with old Tony and being like, we're lost in the snowy mountains. So they had to, they had to wait. They, nobody else can go. Lewis and Clark were experts. They, remember they only shot that lady in the head? There were some problems already on that. And there was no families involved. This is a huge migration. You can't be taking that route. So you need, to, you need to wait. But the map was there from 1806. Up until 1840. I mean, it kind of kicks off in 1836, but let's say it starts at 1840. Now, that means for 36 years, that, that place is just kind of wide open, and the only people in there were fur trappers. And some military, but mostly fur trappers, and they ran the territory. Why fur trappers? Because there was a massive profit incentive because Europe had nearly hunted all of their beavers to extinction. There was almost, I, they, all, they massacred all European beavers before this for, for fashion, to make clothes out of them. So, Western Territory of America opens up. London finds out, oh shit, there are beavers in America. All of a sudden, London fashion, men's beavers hats, they're back. And they're huge, massive fashion trend. And there's a ton of beavers out there. There's nobody out Western fur traders can just, I mean, that's why the beavers call it the Great Catastrophe, honestly. There was just, I, I couldn't get a number on how many beavers died out there. If they, they killed all of the European beavers before this. Anyway, so yeah, all the European beavers were dead. London fashion pops off and beaver hats are huge again. And the price of a beaver hat in London was $5 each, which today translates into $131.43. Now, it wasn't just independent dudes in Western America slaughtering beavers and bringing them back to New York to sell them or wherever out there. There was, a, there was an Amazon company of fur trading out there. It was called the Hudson Bay Company. That company was the, the company because they destroyed the Northwest Company that was also dealing in beaver pelts. The Hudson Bay Company had a monopoly on the fur trade, so much so that they set the market price for one beaver pelt. If you were a dude, no real job, you're just a mountain man, you're out there. If you bring the Hudson Bay Company one beaver pelt, they will pay you $4, which translates into $105.14 for each dead beaver carcass. As long as the fur's not messed up, you get over, you get 105 bucks for a beaver. There's no rules out here. You bring beavers, I give you $105 per beaver. Let me know when you got some beavers. It was... Massacre. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, $105 each is huge because back then a regular labor wage was $1 a day. Or, which translates into $26.90 a day. That was for a whole day. So, a one dead beaver would be worth a week of your life. A short week, four days, but still, one dead beaver is four days pay. And there's a lot of beavers out there, and they don't know you're coming. They're just hanging out. The Great Catastrophe. So it was a massive industry of mostly mountain men 
Now, why this is important to the Oregon Trail is because these guys had to sleep somewhere. They needed provisions. They needed outposts. They needed forts just in case of attack. So all that got built up. All that scaffolding of being able to have people out there got built up for the Western fur trade. Now, in 1840, men's beaver's hats fall out of fashion. People just don't wear them anymore. They're not into it. I don't know. They just, they just they weren't selling beaver hats anymore. So demand plummets, industry collapses. The Hudson, what's it called? The Hudson Bay Company sells off all their forts and outposts. There's no, they can't, they don't want beavers anymore. The mountain men are like, this sucks. Everybody leaves. The Hudson Bay Company selling off its assets to whoever. So now you have a lot of forts, you have a lot of outposts, you have a lot of ways to keep people alive, which then forms the Oregon Trail. So the Oregon Trail was made possible by countless thousands of dead beavers who got turned into hats. Take a moment to shout out beavers there. Thanks for taking the hit on that. All right, well, 1840, London fashion, no more beaver hats, all the fur trappers are gone, there's forts and outposts. The beavers don't know why the massacre has stopped, but here comes a lot more people. By 1836, the trail was passable by wagon. So the migration got going. Now, where's the Oregon Trail start at? We're looking at, do you know where Missouri is, honestly? Unless you live in Missouri, do you know where Missouri is? Me neither. I didn't know either. How about Iowa? Closer, right? You're like, I think so, right? Great Lakes underneath. Oregon Trail starts, you know, Mississippi River, right? Cuts America, you know? Just ping middle of Mississippi River in your head, up down. Like, up down on a map. Go to, like, the middle-ish of the Mississippi River. That's close. That's about where this started. Now, where does it end up at? All the way to the left, we're going Oregon. Specifically, it was called the Willamette Valley, which is where, I mean, there was land offered. It, the whole deal was... If you and whoever can get to the Willamette Valley, you can have some free farmland if you want it, man. And the Willamette Valley had really good farmland. So much so that people were willing to go a total number of 2,170 miles. Either on foot, wagon, horse. So many people died. It's one thing, I, look, I know you can start a new life with farmland. And I know that it's a, it's a big deal. You can start, you make your own thing. And times were different back then. But when I found out that the end of the Oregon Trail, all there was was free farmland, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't think it was kind of like, all right, <laughs> like, do you, is there money? Or I know you can make money with the farmland, but like this is a long walk. Like the California Trail, the California Gold Rush, and like the, the trail for the, to get to the California Gold Rush, and the Mormon Trail, they're... They spring up, you know, in conjunction with the Oregon Trail. There's parts that overlap, and the Mormon Trail obviously it goes south towards Utah. Although at a certain point in time, you can hit Salt Lake City on your way to Oregon or to California. The trail evolves as the year goes, as the years go on. But in 1840, I mean, look, it was 2,000 miles for some farmland going left. You know, at least if you went to California, there was gold. I don't know. I, look, I don't, I don't know how important farmland. I, it, obviously, it was very cool that you get farmland, you get to make a farm life and stuff, but you are walking 2,000 miles to work, to work hard some more. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess respect to these people being like, if I could just get there, farming's going to be easy. It's different breed of people, different time, man. Anyway, so you get some farmland, Willamette Valley. Way to go, if you can get there. Now, how long is it going to take? This depends. Now, in 1840, it would have taken you about 160 days, a little less than six months. Now, in 1850, knock 20 days off that. Only 140 days, 4.6 months. And that's because of all the developments that would go on as the Oregon Trail progressed. The, the same way that, like, oh, there's a California gold rush. So now there's more people going there. Brigham Young in 1847 goes down to Utah, makes, uh, or goes down to Salt Lake City. With that whole migration, the more people using this trail, the more ferries, bridges, forts, outposts. There's going to be way less attacks from all sorts of things. The longer it goes, the safer it gets until it eventually ends 
in, I have the date at the end, but I think it's like 1869. I'm double checked that at the end. That's, that's my best guess. I'm pretty sure it's 1869 uh, when the Oregon Trail is just over. So a little less than six months if we leave in 1840. And here's the thing. If you're going to go in 1840, whenever you go, whenever we decide to go on the Oregon Trail together, we got to leave by April or May, or we got to wait till next year. Because if we don't, if we leave in July or June, July, August, we're going to be dealing with winter storms and they will murder everyone we love. You got to leave in April or May. It's going to be bad no matter what. Just for the just no ice, okay? It sucks all around, but just you can, if April or May, we can't leave late. We got to be ready to go. If you're going to dilly dally, it's going to cost us another year, all right? Now, it's not all bad. There's a couple of high points. If I haven't told you on making this 2,000, 2000 mile walk for farmland yet, for example, if you can get like a little less than halfway, you're going to hit a place called Ford Bridger. And that place is great. That place is awesome. If you could just get there, I think it's like it, once you get past Wyoming, it's a, we're going to hit it when we get to the Zodiac. It's a stopping point for one of the Zodiac portions. So somebody got lucky and they actually nailed this. It's part of your Zodiac sign. Congratulations. You landed on Fort Bridger. And that was great because it's like a mega Walmart. It was a Walmart hotel, rest stop, saloon. It also had awesome grass. You could feed all your animal companions. You could all leave happy like the movie Madagascar for the last, last half of your trail. It's a good time. Fort Bridger, pretty cool. Still doesn't sound great though, right? Well, you're also not going to be alone. I didn't know, I learned this. I thought that it was just one, you grab one wagon and you start going. I thought that was how this, how this no, no, no. You, you were with like 20 or 50 other wagons. I don't know why I thought it was a so because that's how the video game was, is that you just got your one wagon with your friends and perhaps Cleopatra herself that you really have to watch out for because things might get a little hairy out there. But I thought it was just one wagon. When it actually happened, there was a the great migration. You're with 20 to 50 other wagons, and that's where the term circle the wagons comes from, which I thought was cool. Because if you get attacked and you got 20 or 50 wagons, you circle them up, and then you get all everybody in the middle, and you poke some guns out the side. And it's not the worst fortification to fight a military engagement in the middle of nowhere. That's circle. You would circle them up and just shoot out the side and hope not everybody dies. Oh, absolutely. Tell Regina to get down, girl. We got to make a future. So, again, uh, wagon party, pros, safety, cons. Oh, it was so dusty. That's another thing. You can't go alone. You're going to be with other parties. There's no way to get around this. Even if you leave in time to not hit the snow, it, you are, you're getting dusted the whole time. More than one thing talked about the dust. And if, if, more, if I've heard about the dust, it's like 180 years later, and more than one account was like, the dust was terrible. You're just, it's just a mess, dude. You are going to be, your eyelids are going to be hard to shut sometimes. <laughs> so you got that, the whole 2,000 miles, just dust everywhere. But you got, you know, if you get attacked, at least you can circle the wagons up. And if you're still not sold on it, heads up, you are allowed to just give up and live wherever you want, which happened a lot. At the, at, when we do the odds of death, it's more than half the people just were like, ah, Man, I am done, Walt. I am good here. Where are we at? This is where I was going the whole time. We're staying here. It's fine. Break the wagon off. Take the exit. We're staying here. You're allowed to stay wherever. As long as it's safe enough and you're like, I'm not getting to Oregon, dude. More than half the people just were like, I don't know. Where are we at here? What is this? Are we in Montana by accident? Not anymore. We're all Montana on purpose, dude. This place is beautiful. I'm living here. So that's actual Oregon Trail facts. If you want them, before we get going, let's hit the general store. <laughs> Fuck, I've been doing that prospector voice from that Will Ferrell sketch from like forever ago. The old prospector. It's because I drew, I drew a dude like the general store. I drew the dude from the general store on this page of notes, and I've just, I've been doing his voice of like, general store. You're here for your double action or single action handgun. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to do more of that. I did. I had like a solid 12 minutes in my mind where I was like, dude, record the whole episode like that. 
no, record the whole episode normal. And then I was going to record it a second time in that voice. And I was like, I don't know, man. You're just doing like a Will Ferrell character the whole time. But it's a fun voice to do. Anyway, general store. I did this exactly how I played the video game. I'm not, I didn't price out any blankets. I don't know how much a wagon cost. I, I just looked up guns. That's how I did it in sixth grade. That's how I did it now. That's all. When I, when, at the beginning, before you, you already name your party members and then you hit the general store. The only thing I bought, and I don't know what my friends did. I'm pretty sure everybody was running the same play here where it's like, I, I am a doc. I was always doctor just in case somebody important got sick, you know? So I would pick doctor as the guy I am. And then I would just buy all the bullets they had. And then you hit Nebraska right away. I would just level. No, you just, you just have whatever you want. There might be a giraffe, you, foxes. You, buying food was a sucker's bet in Oregon Trail in sixth grade. Anybody who's buying a lot of food, I felt like I was smarter then. Although there was, there was one, I remember one kid, he was sitting in our row. He was at the door. I remember one time he, uh, I guess he was doing the same thing, but he just, he found like a really fertile hunting ground because the hunting screen in the game, you would just be like, go hunt. And then it would just be a click as animals. There was no challenge to it. It was the slowest version of Nintendo's duck hunt ever. And you could just rack up bison, but you couldn't carry it all back to your wagon. If you hit like a bison and a couple foxes, like you would have to leave some meat and it would spoil. I remember this kid, Eric, one time just stayed on the hunting screen and was drilling bison and like the computer aid was like, ah, <laughs> he yelled at him. And we all looked at his screen, we were like, ooh, why would you do that? Oh. <laughs> but really, like, I don't know, I remember being impressed, like, damn, dude, that is so many bison. Like, his whole, it looked like his, his hunting screen glitched out. Where it's just, because it's low-level graphics, so if you shot a bison in front of another bison, it would just kind of glitch. His whole... This whole Great Plains hunting area was just loaded with, with bison and dead ducks and everything else. Remember, he got in trouble for that, but that stuck with me how many years, uh, over 20 years later. That's how much that left an impact on me. Like, damn, dude, all right, all right. So, general store. Take a look at the firearms you're looking at here. So, I don't know anything about guns. I want to do an episode on guns at some point in time because they've been really important to the history of humanity. And I got, what, this is 64? I got a bunch left, so like I'll, I'll do History of Firearms or some version of that at some point in time. Because every now and then I'll run into guns in an episode and I have to learn all, I don't know anything about it. Um, so, I w uh, on the description of some of these firearms, I got two long guns and I got six pistols. Some of them revolvers, some of them not. And all of these firearms were used on the Oregon Trail at some point in time, starting at 1840 up until... I'm banking on 1869 again. I'm going 1840, 1869. If I get to the last page of this and it's the wrong date, I'm going to have egg on my face. But, all right, so let's take a look at some of the firearms you could have purchased at the general store before going on the Oregon Trail in real life. So, first up, we'll do the long guns. We got sh uh, Sharps Rifle. This is a long gun. Uh, it fires a hunting cartridge. It's long range, accurate. Bullets weigh about 400 grams each. And the bison in Nebraska hated these. These were knocking down bison like Eric in sixth grade, dude. Also had folding rear sights and a double trigger. Our second long gun we got on here is the Ballard Buffalo gun. Total weight, 14.5 pounds, another octagonal ba barrel. It was initially produced in 1861. So if we're going on the Oregon Trail in 1840, this isn't an option for you, sorry. Uh, and this was designed specifically for buffalo hunting. Those are the two long guns we have. Let's take a look at the handguns. Colt revolver, 44 caliber. This is the army model. Six shot revolver in 1860 cost about 20 bucks. But if you could wait another five years till 1865, you're looking at a price reduction. Only going to cost you 1450. Apparently there was some hubbub about Colt's prices. The market was pretty pissed. People were like, why this is it too expensive, man? What are you doing? And so they eventually knocked down the price. To 1450. That's just a Colt Army model revolver, 44 caliber there. We're looking at Manhattan revolver. Now this is a little bit smaller caliber, 0.36 caliber. You got a cap and ball, six shot. Now I couldn't find a price on this one, man. Because uh, I was looking for prices back if we were going to time travel and go on the Oregon Trail. How much money would you need? Like Colt revolver, 20 bucks for the Army model. I actually feel pretty good about that if you threw me in a time portal and I got out and talked to a real general store guy. 
the Manhattan Revolver, I could I could find antique modern day prices. So I revert. I'll, I'll get, in just a second. Anyway, real quick, Manhattan Revolver, .36 caliber, cap and ball, six shot. I put it at $42. I don't, this is a sketchy number, dude. That is an incredible amount of money for back then. Because I, I looked it up and $1, if, you, if you're if you looking at 1850 $1 is worth about $33 today in 2021. And I don't see how a Manhattan revolver could be double the price of a Colt revolver. I think I really fucked this number up. All right, but the way I got it. So I look up Manhattan Revolver and I couldn't find a from then ad or any sort of what it cost or controversy because the Colt prices I could find because there was that controversy about people being like, this is too expensive. What are you doing? We need these guns. Da, da, da. And then there was a price reduction. I couldn't find it for the Manhattan Revolver. So what I did, I went and found if, I, if you're going to buy one today, which again, this number stinks, dude. It's so sketchy. So if you're going to buy a Manhattan Revolver today, the lowest price I found was 14 and, I mean, it goes all the way, I mean, 28, 35, I saw. So I took the lowest price I could find, 14 hunch, and then I divided that by 33, and that's how I got $42. If this was like an oral presentation in class, the teacher would tell me that doesn't count. I understand that. Next up, Navy Colt Revolver. Another six shot. This one's designed in 1847, .36 caliber, cap and ball, total price, $17.50, or I found a place where you can get a deal where they'll give you a holster and a pat on the back for 20 bucks and the gun. All thing. But if you just want the firearm, $17.50. Now, the Colt model 1849 Colt Pocket Revolver. This is pretty much the Navy Colt Revolver, but it's just smaller. And the Pocket Revolver came first. It was a .31 caliber. Why? Oh, I wrote the wrong date down. Sorry about that. It said the Pocket Revolver... Because Samuel Colt made all these, it said the, the pocket revolver turned into the Navy Colt revolver because the Navy Colt revolver is a larger version of it. Pocket revolver, .31 caliber, just smaller version of the Navy Colt. Now, getting away from revolvers, let's get into some weird guns. If you want to be a little avant-garde out on the trail, you got the Ames box lock pistol. This is a .58 caliber, single shot, round barrel, smooth bore. It's like a pirate gun, dude. Run you about 10 bucks. It's only one shot. You got to put the thing close, but it's, it's a, I think that's the largest caliber single shot I had as for, except for the long guns. And then the last one we have for handguns this is a fun one. The pepper box pistol. Now this was from 1837, uh, by the company Allen and Thuber. It had six separate barrels. Now you, the way I can describe, okay. You know what a revolver looks like? Like a regular cowboy gun. Just take the barrel off that thing. Just take the and now you're looking at it, and it just has that spinny thing on the top. That's what this looks like. Except, I mean, it didn't. They are instead of the cylinder that rotates in a regular cowboy gun. There's not a. It's eight or six separate barrels. Although there was an eight barrel version that didn't become very popular, but that's later on. We're looking at the six barrel version of the Pepper Box revolver. And uh, these were very popular during the California Gold Rush. It was the most popular uh, handgun, or the most common repeating handgun prior to the invention of the revolving cylinder. So this thing was really popular, and then when the California Gold Rush comes, it's a weird-looking gun, but if you want to get out there and kind of be a weirdo, grab a pepper box on your way out of the general store. Why not? Oh, and I wanted to cover this. I'm not sure if I already said this or not, because I didn't... They described some of these as double action and single action, and I, again, I don't know anything about guns. And I didn't want to overlook it. So I found out double action versus single action, just real quick. The difference is how many functions does the trigger perform? And what that means is for a double action, when you pull the trigger, it fires the gun and then that gun uses the gas to cock the gun one more time. Whereas a single action, you're just pulling it back, firing it, and then you have to cock it manually again. You know, you don't play like a good video game with like handguns in it where you see the, the, it automatically cocks. That's a double action. If you have to like go ahead and crank it back every time you pew pew, you shoot something, that's a single action. Just wanted to put that in there because I didn't know. And I thought about leaving it out and just skipping over it. But I was like, come on, man. There's other people out there who might not know stuff. Also, if you are a gun guy or a firearms enthusiast, did my best on that. I know I'm missing a whole lot. 
But I, 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 hopefully I'm going to have a gun episode, I don't know, sometime sometime before we're done. There's a really cool, I forget the name, there's like a couple great YouTube channels of uh, like firearms expert, experts who like just slow it down. So it's an interesting topic to me. It'll probably come out sounding like the arc welding episode. I thought about it where it's like, yep, it'll probably be like that where I'm just like, how's this work? What goes on here? Uh, that'll be a fun one. All right, odds of death on the Oregon Trail. Now, dysentery is the most popular one. They make a shirt with the thing. I got died of dysentery. They make all that stuff. That's from the Oregon Trail game, which is fine. That's like the celebrity disease out of this thing. I wanted to hit on cholera real quick because when you start on the Oregon Trail, I found out, your early water issues are going to be cholera related. Now, when you start, until you get to, I believe, Wyoming, because you got to walk all the way across Nebraska, and then you hit Wyoming, and then apparently Wyoming's rivers run quick enough that this isn't a problem. But out the gate, you're going to have to make a decision on the Oregon Trail. You're either going to drink brackish water, which means that there's salt and sediment mixed into it, and you can't drink that right away. If you're going to go with brackish water, you got to go get a pot or something, get a whole pot of it, and then put it down, and then give it an hour, because all that stuff has to settle to the bottom, and then when you drink it an hour later, when you like use your, your cowboy tin cup to get the top, there's still going to be stuff. It's like a gross bubble tea. There's just there's just stuff in it. Even It's disgusting, but you can drink it. It's salty, but it's not that bad. You'll still get hydrated. That's your one option, and that's your safer of the two options. The other one, if you want to play it risky, you will be drinking from freshwater springs before you get to Wyoming. Now, this is a problem because you have got a large probability of getting cholera from this. Because they are freshwater springs. Hey, this looks great, but there's nobody, there's no lifeguards on duty. People are, and you're not the first people to get to that freshwater spring. And other people use it for other things, dude. Some people use that, that freshwater spring to port a john for animals, for anything you want. And that, that was where you ran into trouble here. You're sick of brackish water. I don't want, I don't want to have a bunch of stuff in my mouth. I just want water, man. Let me give it one drink of fresh water. All of a sudden you got cholera. Now, I didn't really know what cholera was. Turns out, it just dehydrates you to death. Pretty quickly, too. It might, be, it might kill you same day. If you, if you break and you're like, I just want some of that delicious water. I don't think anybody pooped in this. And then you drink it and you get cholera, you can die same day. The way it just, every way that your body can get rid of liquids, we'll put it that way, 10 out of 10. As, pretty soon. You take that drink in the morning by 2 p.m., you know. Get ready for that unmarked grave. The actual probability of dying on the Oregon Trail if you got cholera, about 30%. So one out of, you know, it's like a flush draw. 30%, you get a bad tummy ache. Just keep walking. We got we to get to Oregon, dude. I don't know what to tell you. If it's Bob, speed the party up. If it's Regina, slow it on down. Is she okay? We can turn back still. We can turn back. Also, aside from cholera, there are a lot of animal-related deaths. And not like bear attack Leonardo DiCaprio, fighting him in a heroic way, or I thought coyotes maybe. We, coming into this episode, I was like, I'm fine, but animal attacks going to be great. There was a lot of animal-related deaths, but they were like work accidents. It wasn't, it wasn't animal attacks. It was like, oh, some of these people don't, like some of these people are good farmers. That's why they want to go to Oregon for good farmland. They're used to being around animals. They respect them as huge muscular work tool beasts. Some people are just like, I need a new life. I'm going that way. And they're not used to dealing with animals, which is wildly dangerous. The amount of like tramplings by accident, the most, the amount of accident, you're likely to kill yourself on this trail. Either you're going to drink water and get cholera. I mean, you might get hit by a snake, but like the amount of people who just get trampled by accident, it's just, also you can drown if you don't know how to handle animals and they freak out in the water, you go to try to get them, they'll drown you. People did not, there's a, like, every, an animal's like a forklift in this scenario. Your animals are fork trucks. And there was a good number of people who were not fork truck certified back on the Oregon Trail. And they were just making it up and doing, doing wheelies, putting the forks up high, putting your butt, putting a pallet on the forks, raising your buddy up high, doing donuts with the e-brake on when there's no cameras yet. You heard a rumor that they're going to put cameras in in two weeks, so you do that before they put the cameras in. You can't do that in the Oregon Trail, dude. You get killed by a yak. 
So a lot of animal-related deaths, a lot of cholera killing people. So overall stats of the Oregon Trail. Total number of people to try to make the journey. About 400,000, a little less than half a million. Total number of people who actually made it? 80,000. Low, right? Total number of dead? 20,000. At least a lot of people. What happened? This was the most surprising thing I found out. So, out of 400,000, 20,000 dead, that gives you a 5% chance of dying of something if you decide to go on the Oregon Trail. Now, the closer to 1840 it's going to be, the more likely it is you're going to die because that's, just a, that's a more dangerous trail. If you leave in 1860, you got a better chance. Brigham Young, I mean, they already made ferries and all this other stuff. It's not that bad of a trail. 1840, I mean, you may want to ump 5% to about 7%. I couldn't find numbers based upon year, but at least 5% if you leave in 1840. One out of 20, you're dead. One out of five, you make it. That's not bad. That's, that's low, though. I figured if you don't die, you have to make it, right? And this was, the, this was the stat that really surprised me, is that you had a 75% chance of being one of those people who was like, I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm done walking. What is this, Idaho? It's beautiful out here. I don't even know what Oregon. I'm living here. That's 75% chance that you end up there. That was the most surprising thing. So 20% chance you'd make it. Three out of four, you you lose, but you nobody finds out. You just go live in you know, Montana, wherever you end up by accident. So that's the death stats for the Oregon Trail. Now, to actually cover the trail, we are going to take a look at this fever dream of an idea. The Oregon Trail Bay Zodiac, baby. Let's go. Are you ready? Here's the thing. my I have a grandma that... Whenever I was young, like my, my whole youth, and like she did do this in September too, she will read your fortune with pinochle cards. She uses pinochle cards if you're young because there's no spirits in those. But when she read it in September, use the tarot cards. Or she has this other deck of cards that has ducks on the back and it looks like it's from like 1901. Both of those decks have spirits in them. I have those decks now when she read, it, when she read me my fortune. In September, she was like, you can have these decks. Because I was asking her, like, how does this even work? You've been doing this my whole life. And so she she gave me an outline of, like, uh, Asa, Asa Spades is obviously death. I think Asa Clubs is death, too. And then she went down all the suits and numbers, and she gave me a breakdown of how to read a fortune and showed me how to do it. I took pictures, and it was back, it was uh, it was right after the Spades episode. She read my fortune. Anyway, so my grandma's been reading my fortune with pinochle cards around the new year my whole life. I was sick, and it was near the new year, and then she did this in September, and I remember, she said, like, you're going to find, like, a blonde lady, so you're going to fall in love, it, there's, a, there's always the same fortune, I asked her where it came from, and she was like, my, my grandmother taught me, my mother, you know, it passed down, it's like, that didn't answer the question, you know, I like, you, you kind of dance around the question here, what did you, who made this up, she was like, I, I can't tell you, and then she did, anyway, so I have, I have, there's some Lithuanian mysticism in the blood, and so I was like, look, we did Lewis and Clark where I, we went step by step on the journey as we went over to the Pacific Ocean. And so as a way to do it somewhere else, I'm going to stop explaining this. I think it's fucking fun. Who gives a shit? I read your fortune with the Oregon Trail. You ready to hear for this? Do you know your astrology sign? Look it up. Also, I totally uh, made it like new. I know I look, at the end, after I was done, I looked it up and like, it's not by month. I don't know anything about astrology. But I thought it was just like January, February, March, April, May, June. Now nah, it's like half months and stuff. Not on this. Not the way the Oregon Trail Lithuanian mysticism works, okay? It's flat months. Whatever month you were born in. Or you can totally pick whatever you want. This is not science in any way. So, broke it down into 12 parts. So this is how we're going to go through the trail. First up, if you were born in January, your portion of the trail is Independence, Missouri to Fort Kearney. Oh, I should also say, so the way I did this, I chopped up the trail into 12 portions. I'll give you a quick description of what that portion of the trail looks like. Then I gave it a difficulty rating from 1 to 30, based upon what your portion of the trail looks like. And from that, that's how we tell how your 2021 is going to go. All right? Why not? January, Independence, Missouri to Fort Kearney. What does your portion look like? Well, it's 125 miles long. 
You do have a river crossing at the Narrows, but you do end in a fort. I gave that a 12 out of 30. And that's January slash Aquarius. Section two, we're going Fort Kearney to Chimney Rock. That's 110 miles. You are walking across the Great Plains. Also, the Great Plains, the grass is taller than a man and a lot of it. A lot of Nebraska is just a giant haunted corn maze of grass. They said that you could see a man's hat if he was on a horse riding through parts of the Great Plains, which is, how tall is that, like nine feet? So it's just haunted hayride time <laughs> the whole time, the whole portion. 110 miles, you got a river crossing of the upper South Platte River, and you got a tornado risk. January, AKA, or February, a.k.a. Pisces, you're looking at 24 out of 30. That's a tough one. March, Chimney Rock to Independence Rock. You're looking at 125 miles. Oh, you do hit Fort Laramie, which is pretty nice. And then you do end at, a, at the Pathfinder Reservoir where you can recharge your animals. That's a pretty nice stretch. You only got a 3 out of 30. That's Aries. You're going to have a pretty good 2021 here. April, Taurus. Independence Rock to South Pass. It's only 45 miles, but it's not great. You got to go through the Devil's Pass. And then the last actual marker you hit before you get to the South Pass is a place called Burnt Ranch. That's your highlight. That's not a good stretch, but it is short. You're coming in at 22 out of 30 for Taurus. Gemini, South Pass to Fort Bridger. Remember, remember this, is the, this is the awesome Walmart fort? That's Gemini. You're, this is a total distance from South Pass to Fort Bridger. 52 miles. You do have a ferry crossing, which ain't so bad. And, again, yeah, you're at that mega Walmart. It's pretty great. You do have a ferry cross. Oh, you have three smaller river crossings, too. I gave you three points for each in difficulty for those. That's a 9 out of 30 for Gemini. Cancer. You're leaving from the mega Walmart, Fort Bridger, going to Soda Springs. That's 50 miles. You are going to hit some mountains. They're starting, but there is a path through them. And you're coming off mega Walmart. How bad can this be? It's only 50 miles. Cancer, 5 out of 30 in difficulty for 2021. Next up. Leo, July, Soda Springs to Fort Hall. It's only 44 miles, passing Sheep's Rock. It's something nice to look at. You are ending at a fort. However, you are going through Blackfoot territory here. So, Leo, here's the thing. It's all based upon don't wake daddy here. It can either be a 1 out of 30, nice little walk. If you don't, just don't wake them up. Or it's a 30 out of 30 if you got to circle the wagons. That's going to be tough. So, Leo could go either way in 2021 here. Virgo, you got Fort Hall to Fort Boise. That's 150 miles, but it is fort to fort, but it's 150 miles, man. Snake River, you got to hit the Canoke Rapids. I didn't say that right, but you got some rapids in there. It's 150 miles. Virgo, 2021, you know, you've seen it before. It's fine. You did, you got a 27 out of 30. That's a tough one. Libra, Fort Boise to the Blue Mountains, 75 miles. It is uphill most of the way. 26 out of 30, you know? That's Libra. It's tough. Scorpio, next up, October. Blue Mountains to Fort Walla Walla. It's only 25 miles. You ended a fort. That's pretty great. And the ground levels out. Unfortunately, Libra's walking uphill. Dude, Scorpio levels out. Crawl right down there with that tail. You're good. 9 out of 30. That's not so bad. Sagittarius, next up. That's November. You got Fort Walla Walla to the Dulles. That's 90 miles. You got some river crossings, the John Day and the Deschutes. But it's the second to last one. And I, I ranked this one low because the second to last anything. Somebody told me this a while ago that like you blow out the strategy that, I, that somebody told me like in college for stuff was that like your second to last thing, you go as hard as possible because everybody goes as hard as possible on the last one. So the second to last one is when you actually blow out all your energy and your body won't let you stop on the last one anyway. So I gave it a four out of 30. Sagittarius, 2021 is looking pretty good. Last up, December, Capricorn. Last leg, the Dallas to Oregon City, about 50 miles. You got a choice to make. You can either sail the Columbia River where you got to deal with the Cascades of the Columbia or you go through the Barlow Pass if you feel like walking some more. I... If it was me, I'm boogie boarding the rest of the way. I'm done walking. I'm so dusty. I don't care. It's fine. Just get me on there. 15 out of 30. 
you got to deal with some rapids, but the rapids are only 1.6 miles long. After that, you just lazy river it up to that free farmland, you made it. That's Capricorn 15 out of 30. That is your Oregon Trail Base Zodiac. Just to, just to go over it one more time, if you're Aquarius in 2021, you got one weird river crossing, it's going to be longer than you think. Pisces, you're on the Great Plains, watch out for tornadoes. Aries, long, but pretty good. You ended a place to feed your animals, it's not so bad. Taurus, it's going to fly by, but it might suck. Gemini, you got a ferry and three river crossings. It's not easy, but you've seen it before, you'll be fine. Cancer, early 2021, might be good, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. However this ends up, don't even worry about it. Leo, either awesome or terrible, that's the don't wake daddy scenario. I don't know, there's going to be, it might be a big decision this year sometime, you got to figure that out. Either a one or a 30, I don't know. That's the most astrology fortune I came up with out of this, which is like a total non-committal to anything of like, Either the best or the worst. That's pretty, that's the most astrology one I think I thought of. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Either great or terrible. It's, it is what it is, dude. Virgo, it's going to be long and you're going to hit some rapids. Libra, start solid. It, it might feel uphill most of the time. I'm not going to lie to you. Scorpio, level ground. It's going to be short and fun maybe. I don't know. Uh, Sagittarius, two river crossings. Going to do better than you think. Again, you're going to blow it out. It's fine. It's the second to last one. It's going to be better than you think. Capricorn, we're boogie boarding down the river. You got a middle score. It is what you make it. The Oregon Trail based Zodiac. <laughs> Guys, this has been episode 64 of Oral Presentations. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me a couple weeks' grace where I released Patreons as publics and sticking around. Uh, we're going to go to 100 together. Thank you, for, thank you for everything. If you're on Patreon, I'll have another one out this week. I think we're doing a Voodoo Priestess. That'll be fun. I'm going to try to turn that one around by Friday, but it might be Saturday because we're kind of backed up from the pneumonia. But we'll figure it out, guys. Thanks for listening, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later on. All right, I'll see you. Have a great day, guys.